Well, good morning, church. Okay, come on, we knew better than that. Good morning, church. Man, we are glad you're here this morning. I know that uh, last week I had many phone calls and text messages and personal conversations that Kent Van Nauta did an amazing job just bringing the word last week. So let's thank you, Lord, for Kent. Thank you, Kent. I look forward to still listening to that, and it's always nice to know that there's other people that God is bringing in our path and our church that loves to preach the Word of God. So thank you, Kent, so much for that, and love you and appreciate you. Now today we're going to wrap up our series, One Hit Wonders. Now to kind of get us along the same mind frame this morning, I want you to think of something that's probably not so positive, and it's this, is have any of you ever been wronged by somebody? Okay, some of you aren't sure about that, so I'm going to ask it again. All right, anybody ever been wronged by somebody? Now, you may not want to raise your hand because you're like, they're sitting right beside me. That's okay. So we've all been wronged by somebody. And I think the thing is, as a believer, that's a lot to process sometimes, right, when we've been wronged by somebody. Because on one hand, if we've been wronged by somebody, we begin to think the process, okay, um, what does justice look like, right? If they've wronged me, what does justice look like in that scenario? And then for some of you, what you think of is not what justice looks like, but what would payback look like because I've been wrong. Now, you know that's true. Some of you, like, you know that's true, that what would payback look like? But hopefully the question that we all come to is this, is what is my biblical response to someone who has wronged me, right? Hopefully that's where we land. Now, we, we oftentimes, our emotions and our flesh lead us to what does payback look like, but hopefully as a follower of Jesus Christ, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, hopefully there's a moment that this is the question that reigns in your heart and mind is, what is my biblical response to that? Where does forgiveness fit in? Where does restoration fit in? Unfortunately, if you're like Doug, too many times when people have wronged us, what is our first response besides revenge and payback? Get even, yeah. Or we have this mindset of, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm done with them. I, I'm writing them off. I'm never going to speak or be around them ever, ever, ever again. Anybody write people off like that? Okay, a couple of honest people. Thank you for their honesty. There we go. There we go. Now, now the truth's coming out, right? We do that, right? Now, today we're going to kind of engage in a story. A story that really revolves around two guys. One guy is a rebel thief who gets saved, and another guy is a guy who's a follower of Jesus Christ, and he's the one that's been wronged and stolen from. And then we're going to have the Apostle Paul tell this guy exactly how he should biblically respond to the guy that has wronged him. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to our last one-hit wonder, and we're going to be looking at the book of Philemon. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Philemon. That is going to be where it's at. Now, if you don't know where Philemon is, it's right before the book of Hebrews. Obviously, if you have a Bible, look at your table of contents. There is no shame in that, all right? Philemon is where we're going to be this morning as we look at this scenario of how do we treat those who've wronged us. Now, as you turn to the book of Philemon, let me give you just a little background to the book that will help us better understand what's happening as you read this, maybe later. Because we're not going to read it from verse 1 to the end. I'm going to skip around in a few places there. But the book of Philemon, Philemon was a guy who was saved under the Apostle Paul's ministry. We'll read that a little bit later on. But he was saved under the Apostle Paul. Also, Philemon had a servant or slave whose name was Onesimus. Everybody say Onesimus. So if you have, a, if just, those of you that are pregnant, that would be a great name for your kids, right? Onesimus, just try to spell it, right? Onesimus, and so he had a servant named Onesimus. Now Onesimus was a thief. 
Onesimus was a rebel, and Onesimus was a runaway. So Onesimus, we don't not sure exactly what he did, but we know that he must have stole from Philemon, his uh, his boss, his those the one that was in leadership over him. That he stole from Philemon, and Onesimus does what every good thief does: he runs away. Right? He runs away because he knows if he stays, the punishment would could be his own life because you just don't steal. And so he stole from Philemon, and so Onesimus runs away, and he's a runaway, and he goes to the city of Rome. And it's in Rome that Onesimus has a divine appointment. An appointment, and and while in Rome, Onesimus runs into none other than the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul is in prison at the time, and Onesimus comes across Apostle Paul, and under the leadership of Apostle Paul, Onesimus becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. See, when he was under Philemon's rule, he was not a believer. He was just a thief, and so he runs away. But when he gets and he meets Paul, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Onesimus becomes a child of God. Now, while he was there, Onesimus serviced and took care of Paul. Whatever needs Paul had, he took care of him. But Paul understood something. While he was once a thief, and now he's a child of God, it's not okay that he stays. So I need to send him back to take responsibility for his actions and to deal with whatever consequences are going to come his way. But as Paul sends Onesimus back to the area of Colossae where Philemon was, Paul pins a letter, a letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And what you and I hold here today in the book of Philemon is that letter that Paul wrote. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to see three things in the passage. I want us to see what Paul says about Onesimus. I want us to see what Paul says about Philemon. And then I want us to see what Paul tells us, the, the, the three appeals that Paul gives Philemon as far as how to deal with someone who has wronged you. So if you have your Bibles, the first thing we're going to look at is what Paul says about Onesimus. Look with me, skip down to verse 10 and 11. Now, as Paul writes this letter, if you were to read the first three verses, Paul writes this letter, and he says this, To Philemon, my beloved fellow worker, and to um, his wife, Aphia, and his son, Archippus. And so that's probably who those people were. If you're wondering who they were, it's probably uh, Philemon's wife and his son. But then in verse 10, he tells Philemon his thoughts on Onesimus. Here's what he says. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So here's what Paul says. You remember this guy Onesimus, Philemon? Yeah, I remember him because he stole from me, right? I remember him. He was a rebel. He was a thief. He was a runaway. And Paul acknowledges out of the gate, hey, who he used to be was, he was useless to you, Philemon. He was of no value to you. Now, why was he of no value? Because he was a thief, right? I mean, this, if you own a business, if someone is stealing from you, are they any value to your business? No, they're a detriment, right? And so here's this guy who's stealing. So he says, listen, Philemon, I, I'm, I'm not debating that he's wronged you. And there was a season in Onesimus' life where he was absolutely no value to you, Philemon, because he was a thief. He also was a runaway, and surely a guy that was running away, a guy that just kind of jumped ship, he's no value to you because now you don't have a servant anymore to do your work. So I know Onesimus was of no value to you. And if you're Philemon, all you would say to that is, amen, right? Because he's a thief, he's a runaway, he was of no value to me. But do you notice what Paul said there? I appeal to you for my child. Now, Paul does this a lot. 
Paul refers to those that he led to the Lord as his children or his child. Paul is saying, listen, I led Onesimus to the Lord, and I know there's a moment where he was of no use to you, but now, everybody say, but now. But now, he says this, he he says, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, Philemon, I know what he's done. I know he's a thief. I know he ran away. I know he's a rebel. And I know when he was in that state, when his spirit was in a state of rebellion and he was a thief, I know he was of no value to you spiritually and he was of no value to you as an employee. But something's changed in Onesimus' life. God caught him. God got his attention. And Jesus has changed his heart. Onesimus is not the same guy you once knew, Philemon. And I want you to know, in his former state, before Jesus, yes, he was useless to you. But since he's met Jesus, now is he useful to you, he's now useful to me. You know why? Because Jesus has changed him. And I'm thinking about that. As I thought about this story, I thought, isn't that your and I story? Come on. Isn't that just like you and I? Before we knew Christ, we were useless to the kingdom of God, weren't we? We, the Bible says that we were enemies of God. Anybody thought of yourself as a former enemy of God? We were enemies of God. We weren't his allies. We were his enemy. And the story of Onesimus is the same story of you and I. Here's a guy who was a thief and rebellious, but Jesus changed his life. And a guy who was of no value, Paul says, Philemon, he now has great value. In fact, he's been serving me while I've been in prison. And he's not only a great value to you, Philemon, he's a great value to me. And listen, that is our story. Before Christ, we were of no value to the kingdom of God. We, like Onesimus, and if you don't believe me, just look at your life. We, like Onesimus, we like to run away because we want to hide from our sins, don't we? Isn't that the same thing that happened in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? What do they do? Come on, what do they do, church? They hid themselves. Because we all have a propensity to run and to hide and get away from our sin because we think there's a way to escape it. And we are just like Onesimus, but God. For many of us have had a but God moment. A moment that Jesus has changed our lives. A moment that we recognize that we sin, we say things, we do things, and we think things that rebel against a holy God. And we realize that, and we realize that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And some of us have put our faith in Jesus, and we've had a but God moment. And Jesus has changed us. And now we went from no value to the kingdom of God to great value in the kingdom of God. Amen? Great value to the kingdom of God. But do you know where that change started? Right here. In your heart. And I'm just telling you, as I look across the room, and knowing this guy on stage, there's a lot of Onesimuses in this room. That's hard to say. There's a lot of Onesimuses in this room, right? A lot of us that can resonate and identify with Onesimus. And here, if you find yourself in that, the moment that you've, you've stolen, maybe not physically stolen, but you, you've been that thief or you've been that person who's wronged somebody else. You've wronged them with your words. You've wronged them with your actions. You've wronged them with your attitude. You've wronged somebody else. There's got to be a moment, a but God moment that you look back and go, but Jesus changed my life. I'm not who I used to be. See, there's some of you in the room, I know your story. And before Jesus, you were, you were like a hellion. I mean, you were like on a path, and you were a quick way there. I mean, you were like the fast express lane on the way to hell. And Jesus changed your life. And you went from no value to now you have value in the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus changed your heart. 
And for some of you in the room that feel like you're like Onesimus, here's what I ask you to do. Would you just ask him to change your heart this morning? Maybe you've wronged some people, wronged somebody. Would you ask Jesus to change your heart? Now listen, for all the men in the room, I know what your answer is going to be. Yeah, I'll do it because I will work harder and I will do better, right? How many men have ever said that? Okay, and the rest of you are liars, okay? We've all done that. I will work harder and I will do better. Listen, I'm just telling you something. Good intentions never works. Good intentions never works because they may last for a moment and then what happens? We go back to the same nonsense we were doing before because we tried really hard at the beginning and we thought things were smooth and then we go back to the same nonsense we were doing before. Listen, what we need is a change of heart. I get tickled at people, especially parents, because I used to do this too. We are so driven by behavior modification, right? We want our kids to change their behavior. Listen, our behavior will always follow the condition of our heart. So when Jesus changes our heart, guess what else will change? Our behavior. And I'm telling you, if some of you are like Onesimus in the room, and before Christ, or, and you, or you've wronged somebody, listen, would you ask Jesus today, this morning, to change your heart? Maybe you're a believer, and you've become callous to the things of God. Would you ask Jesus to soften your heart this morning? And so that's what Paul has to say about Onesimus. But look what he says about Philemon. Look with me at verse 4 through 7. He says this. He said, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that in the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Here's what he says to Philemon. He says, I want to commend you, Philemon. Because the word on the street, the thing that I keep hearing back from you is how much you love Jesus. I keep hearing back about the depth of your love for the Lord. Knowing that, I keep hearing back about the faith, how you've been trusting the Lord and everything that comes your way. Paul is commending Philemon for his faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's not drawing any conclusions how Philemon's going to respond to Onesimus, who has come back. But at the end of the day, Paul says, listen, I want to commend you, Philemon. I want to commend you because what I hear is that you truly are a man of God. What I hear is that you have this deep, passionate love for the Lord. What I hear is that you trust God, which is unparalleled to maybe anybody else. He also says this. You know what I hear? He said, I hear that your life is an inspiration to those around you. In fact, Paul even says it this way. He says, I find much joy and comfort in your love. In other words, even I have been inspired by your love. Now listen, just real quick here. How many of us would love it for, for the Lord Jesus to say that about us? How many of us would love it for the Lord Jesus to say, hey, you know what? I want to commend you, Jason. I want to commend you because the word on the street is how much you passionately love the Lord. Hey, Marty, I want to commend you because the word on the street is you have this unparalleled faith and trust and dependence on the Lord. Hey, Joey, I want to commend you because, man, your life is an inspiration to everyone around you because of your love and your faith. I mean, we would love it if Jesus said that about us, right? Paul is identifying this is what it means to really live for the Lord. So he commends Philemon. He even goes on to, to say, not only commend Philemon, he says, I've been praying for you, bro. I've been praying for you that wherever you share your faith, that it would be effective. In other words, that hearts would be open, eyes would be open, and that people would respond to the message of what you're sharing. I mean, Paul lets Philemon know, man, I love you, and I'm so appreciative for you in your life. So here's what we have. You ready? We have a guy who was a thief and a rebel, a runaway, who's now a believer, 
And then we have a follower of Jesus who's known for his love, his faith, and his influence on those around him. But the problem is, this guy has wronged this guy. And so the, the whole climactic moment in the book of Philemon is Paul making an appeal to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And he makes three appeals, and I want you to look with me here. We're going to begin reading in verse 10, but the first appeal we see is the appeal of reception. Paul wants Philemon to receive Onesimus back. Look with me in verse 10 through 14. It says this. He says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, who father I became in my imprisonment. In other words, I led him to the Lord. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Now that phrase is a very interesting phrase in Greek. In fact, some of your translations will read like this. I'm sending him back to you, therefore receive him as I am sending my very heart. This whole notion of I'm sending back is I'm sending him back for a reason. I want you to receive him. And then he says this, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during the imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. Here's what Paul says. I want you to receive Onesimus back. Now, anywhere in there, did Paul, did Paul diminish the fact that Onesimus had wronged Philemon? Does anywhere Paul say, hey, listen, bud, it's not that big a deal? Does he ever say that? Come on, church, does he ever say that? No, not at all. He didn't deny at all that he'd been wrong. But here's what Paul's saying is, I want you to open your heart and your life up to a person who has clearly wronged you. Now, hear me on this, church. He says, one of the ways that we are to respond when somebody has wronged us, if they come back to us, he says, we need to receive them. We, there needs to be a reception there. He, there's no doubt that Onesimus has wronged Philemon, but he's saying, I want you to open your life and your heart back up in him. Don't write him off. Let's give him a chance. Now, why was it important for Philemon to receive Onesimus back? Because Onesimus, as I said before, he wasn't the same guy that he was before, was he? He was a guy who was a thief and a rebel, and now he's a child of the Most High God. He's not the same guy anymore. Onesimus' life had changed. In fact, listen, the fact that Onesimus was willing to go back says a ton about Onesimus. Because listen, in that culture, and Roman law, if you were to do what Onesimus must have done, to go back would have been just, you, you would have been put to death. I mean, Philemon had every right to call the law in and say, he needs to be stoned to death, and they would have done it. Nobody would ask any questions, and that would have been totally okay. So the fact that Onesimus was willing to go back under Paul's leadership says a lot about Onesimus. Are you hearing me on this? It says, first of all, that he was willing to take responsibility for what he had done. I don't know about you, but I know me. When I've wronged someone, the last thing I want to do is take responsibility for it, right? And listen, I'll say stuff like this. Yeah, I did it, but, anybody else like that? I did it, but you, right? I mean, I want to pull you into the, the pit and the mire with me. I don't want to be just a Doug problem and a Doug heart issue. I want to pull you into it with me. And so the whole thing here is that, 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 that Paul's telling them, listen, that I want you to receive him, and I, and I want you to realize I don't want you to write him off. I want you to give him the chance. Why? Because he's not the same guy he used to be. His life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the fact that he has come back is a picture that he wants to take responsibility for what he's done, but it's also a picture of his heart of repentance. 
Do you think Onesimus wanted to make things right with Philemon? Come on, do you think he'd want to make things right? I do. If not, when he left Paul's company, guess what he'd have done? He'd have fled somewhere else, right? He'd have run somewhere else. I mean, if you don't believe me, just read the book of Jonah. That dude run everywhere. I mean, he would have run away, right? That's what he would have done. But so the fact that Onesimus was willing to go back to Philemon says so much about his heart. A heart that had been changed by Jesus. A heart that says, I want to take responsibility for what I'm. A heart that says, I want to repent and make right how I've wronged you. See, now this guy who was once useless now can be useful for Philemon. And you know what Paul says there? Look at the very end there, what Paul says. I want you to do this not by compulsion, but out of your own accord. In other words, I could force you to do this because Paul had apostolic authority. I mean, he was an authority that people looked to. If Paul said it, they thought it was from God, and they thought, okay, I need to do this. He said, I could force you to do this, but I'm not going to. I want you to do it. Listen, I want you to do it because it's the right and the godly thing to do. Now hear me on this, church. Too many times when people have wronged us or offended us, maybe they try to come back and make things right, and we don't give them the time of day. Like, you know, I'm not talking to you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You've hurt me so bad. You've said too much. We've gone too far. We've crossed too many lines. I'm, we're, I'm done with you. And what Paul is saying is when someone has wronged you and they come back to you, our first biblical response should be reception, to receive them, to give them a chance to repent and to make it right. Why? Because is it possible that Jesus has changed their heart? Sure it is. But don't do it because you have to. Do it because it's the right thing to do. The second appeal that Paul makes to Philemon is the appeal regarding restoration. Look with me in verse 15 through 16. It says this, 15 and 16. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, but as a brother especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You know what Paul's saying? He said, listen, I'm sending him back, and maybe this happened so that you could have him back forever, meaning this, I want you to restore Onesimus. Now, what does that mean? I want you to forgive him. Now, that hurts, doesn't it? How many of us love forgiving people who've wronged us? We might want to throw punch them, but we don't want to forgive them, Right? We don't. It's, listen, because listen, here's what, here's what East Campus knows, because we talk about it way too much probably. We know what forgiveness really is, right? Forgiveness is not saying something like, hey, I forgive you, but I'm going to leverage it over you. The past, like if you're married, you know how this works. You had a fight six months ago. You grab it from the past, and you leverage it in the present. You never forgave him for that stuff. Forgiveness means I choose to cancel your debt, and I will treat you as if you had never offended me to begin with. And I know what you're thinking, Doug, I can't do that. That's what it means when it says Jesus forgave you, right? Does he leverage your past against your present? No. When he forgave you, how did he forgive you? Past, present, and future. He canceled your debt in full, right? And Paul says in Ephesians that we're to forgive one another as the Lord Jesus has forgiven us. He says, listen, Philemon, I know he's hurt you, man. I know he's hurt you. I know he's wronged you. I know you're struggling. But I want you to hear me. I want you to receive him back. What? Yeah, I want you to receive him back. 
I want you to give him a chance to make things right. Because listen, he's not the same guy you knew before. Just receive him back. I'm not going to make you do it, Philemon. But it's the right thing and the godly thing to do. And now I don't want you to receive him back. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to restore him. What? You're crazy, Paul. I know I'm crazy. But we both know the forgiveness of God. And I want you to show that same forgiveness to him. I want you to cancel his debt, Philemon. I want you to restore him. Philemon. And listen, not only do I want you to restore him and by canceling his debt, are you ready to have your mind blown? I want you to treat him like a brother. In the flesh and in the Lord. Now, wait a minute. I think, I mean, when I read this, I'm like, Paul, you've crossed a lot of lines now, right? Because I can forgive you, but I'm not have to retreat you as a, yes, I do. I do. When someone has wronged me and I've forgiven them and I choose not to leverage it over them in the present and I've canceled their debt in full, I am called to treat them as a brother or sister in Christ. That doesn't mean they have to be your BFF. You hear me on that? I'm not saying they have to be your BFF. I'm not saying you will ever forget how they wronged you. I'm not saying you have to hang out with them all the time. But you must treat them like a brother or sister in Christ because they belong to the same family you belong to. And that's the family of God. So he appeals to him for reception. He appeals to him for restoration. And let's look at this last appeal as we get ready to close. He appeals to them regarding the issue of restitution. Now, you know this and I know this. And when you read the Old Testament, a lot of times if someone wronged somebody else, there was always restitution involved. You had to pay back and sometimes pay back more. You see that in the New Testament with the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was stealing from everybody. And when he came back, he, re- made, uh, he paid back restitution. He gave him four times what he took. And what Paul is going to tell Timoth- I mean Philemon this is really fascinating. Look at me, verse 17. He says, so if you consider me your partner, which he would, Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, which we know he has, or owes you anything, which we know he does, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your, what you owe me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Now, here's what he says. If you treat, if you treat me as a partner, treat him as one. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, charge it to me. In other words, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do about restitution. Are you ready? Don't ask for it. Don't ask for it. When Onesimus comes back, I want you to receive him. That's a hard pill to swallow. I want you to restore him, even a bigger pill to swallow. And the big thing is, I want you to ask for nothing in return. What? Are you crazy, Paul? Yeah, he is. But it's the right and the godly thing to do. I want you to ask for no restitution, Philemon. Because here's the thing. You think Onesimus had to give back what he took? Probably not. And I love what Paul says. Or you hear what Paul says? Paul says, and if he owes you anything, what are you going to do with it? Put it on my tab, <laughs> right? He's like, if he owes you anything, I'll pay for it. If he owes you anything, if you, if you Philemon, are so worked up about what he stole from you and you need it paid back because it has cut you short, listen, I will pay you back. Does that sound like anybody for us? Does that sound like anybody who paid a debt that was not his debt to pay? Who does that sound like for us? Jesus, right? He paid a debt he did not owe. And I owe a debt I could not pay. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I'll pay the debt. That's what Paul says. If he owes you anything, I'll pay it. It's on my tab. Now, if you're Philemon, are you a little bit bent out of shape? Come on, let's be honest. Would you be bent out of shape if you were Philemon? Someone has wronged you. He's stolen from you, and he's run away from you. And now Apostle Paul, who you love, who led you to the Lord, says, listen, I want you to receive him back. I know it's crazy, but I want you to take him back because he's not the same guy. 
I want you to receive him. I want you to restore him. I want you to forgive him. I know it's not hard to do, but I know it's hard to do, but it's the right thing to do. And I want you to not ask for any restitution. What, Paul? He owes me. I know he owes you. But if you're so bent on getting something out of him, just charge my tab. Put it on my bill. And then Paul does something fascinating. Look with me in verse 19 and 20. Look what Paul does. He says, but I, Paul, write this with my own hand. In other words, I'm saying this. I will repay it, period. To say nothing of your owing, your owing me, even your own selves. In other words, listen, I'll pay it back, but listen to this. I have enough credit with you because guess what? You owe me too, Philemon. You owe me. You can put it on my bill, but I just want you to know, you owe me. Now, what's he referring to? He's referring to the fact that Paul had led Philemon to the Lord. That Paul had shared the gospel with him, he came to faith. So he said, listen, you can say that, that Onesimus owes you, and I get it, he does owe you, but just put it on my tab. And if that doesn't satisfy, don't ever forget your debt to me. Because I, listen, what I did for you was of eternal significance. I led you to the Lord. So don't forget. In other words, here's what he's saying. Paul's not leveraging what he's done over him. He's saying this, the kindness that I've shown you, show it to Onesimus. Right? Come on, you with me, church? The kindness that I've shown you, Show it to Onesimus. Why? Because it's the right and it's the godly thing to do. Now, as we look at this passage, as we close, I want you to notice, how are we to respond when people have wronged us? First of all, I want us to be receptive to them. We have to be receptive to them, and if they've changed, let's give them a chance to repent. Now, how hard is that? Come on, church, is that hard? For some of us, maybe not. For others of us, ooh, you're like sweating right now. Like you've got a fist balled up and you're going to say, yeah, preacher, you are wrong, right? I mean, we struggle with that, right? We wrestle with that. But if somebody is wrong us and they come back to us, we need to be willing to receive them and give them a chance to repent. Don't write them off. And if they repent, listen, we need to commit to restore them, to forgive them, to cancel their debt. Listen, completely. And treat them as though they had never sinned against us. And then the third thing we have to do is we have to be gracious to them. Show them kindness like the Lord's shown us. Now listen, if you're human at all this morning, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do any of those three things, aren't you? Because in our own flesh, and our own strength, I'm going to fail every time. Because when I see you coming from a distance, I'm not going to receive you. I'm going the other way, Right? And if I do receive you, when it will forgive you, everything in me is going to want to throat punch you. And so I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to remind you of how you've wronged me over and over and over and over again. So I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And to be kind to you, why would I want to be kind to you? Because you've wronged me once. It's like that saying, you know, you wronged me once, shame on you. Wronged me twice, shame on me. Well, that, that's not of God. I don't know why we say that. That's not of God. In fact, Peter, when the unmerciful servant came and Peter said, how many times do I forgive one another? Do I do seven? What did Jesus say? No, 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 seven times seven. In other words, it's such an astronomical number. That's a wrong question, Peter. You should just forgive. So be kind to one another. Now, I know for all of us in the room, this is really difficult. And most of us in the room like to hold on to grudges. We like, listen, whether we like it or not, we like to hold on to hurt. Now, let me just say a couple things about that. If we hold on to those things, it will stifle our worship. And it will stunt our spiritual growth. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. There's some in the room that are some Onesimuses in the room. You've wronged somebody. You've hurt somebody. And as soon as I start talking about it, you've got a name in your brain already. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Today, not tomorrow, 
Not Friday because today you got lunch and then you got to go out and walk at the park and you got to go do this. You gotta, no, I'm talking about today. Today. Everybody say today. I want you to make it right. I want you to go and repent to that person. Well, they live in another state. Well, they have a beautiful thing called FaceTime. You got to try it out sometime if you have the Apple phone. You know, I mean, you try to, you can Zoom with them. I don't care what you, you can call them. I don't care. Don't text them. That's just kind of, that's kind of shady. So you call them, have a conversation with them, and you need to repent. You need to, if you're an Onesimus, you need to repent, and you need to take ownership of what you've done. And don't expect them to say, well, you know, I kind of, no, no, no. You take ownership for what you've done wrong, and then you do this third thing. Say, Lord, would you just change my heart? I need the power of your Holy Spirit to change my heart. If you're an Onesimus in the room today, that's what I'm asking you to do. And if you're a Philemon in the room and someone's wronged you, would you pray about receiving them? Would you pray about restoring them, forgiving them? And would you pray about showing them kindness and not expecting restitution? Here's what I'm asking you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me if you would. Everybody stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Everybody stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And for those of you in the room this morning, nobody's looking around. If you'd be honest enough this morning to say, hey, Pastor Doug, I feel like I'm an Onesimus. I feel like I've wronged someone, and I need to repent. I need to take ownership, and I need Jesus to change my heart. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. I probably won't even see. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Amen. Up and right back down. It's okay. Amen. If you're Philemon in the room, and someone's hurt you, and you've struggled with restoring. You've struggled with forgiveness. You've struggled with all these three things that we need to do. Would you just put your hand up and right back down? Awesome. I'm here to tell you the only way we're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish as an Onesimus or Philemon is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if your heart this morning is that Onesimus saying, I want a heart change. I want to repent. I want to take ownership. Or if you're a Philemon going, I want to restore them. I want to repair that relationship. I want to show them kindness. I'm going to ask you, if that's the posture of your heart this morning, would you let it be reflected in the posture of your body this morning? Because in a moment, I'm going to pray. When I'm done, this altar is going to be open. And if you're an Onesimus that has some big decisions to make and a phone call to make, a visit to make, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to join me at this altar and say, Lord, I need you. If you're Philemon and you need to forgive someone, receive someone, show them kindness, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And I'm going to ask you too to join me at this altar and say, Lord, I need your strength. Would you have the courage this morning to get out of your seats, get on your knees before a holy God and say, Lord, whether I'm an Onesimus or Philemon, I desperately need you in this moment. God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for this passage, Lord. And I pray with everything in me, everything in me, Lord, that we would respond as, the, as, you, as you lead us this morning. So God, as this altar is open, may the posture of our hearts be reflected in the posture of our bodies as we humble ourselves before you. So, Lord, be with us, bless us, change us, and convict us during this time. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The altar is open.